They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks in a trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What's good, SoundCloud and iTunes? What is good? It is the one and only. You know what you love it. Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita here with you. Johnny Meats, it's been a few weeks, my friend. How you been? Yeah, been good, man. Been really good. Uh, you know, our, our last podcast, we kind of, I sent you the clip, uh, and I guess the next day in the Daily News on the front cover, exactly what we discussed on the show was on the front cover of the Daily News the very next day. Yeah, we were on it. We were on it. We were talking uh, a little bit about Embiid. Should they shut him down? What are they going to do with Ben Simmons? What was What's kind of the future there? Um, yeah. And and even though we're going to talk a little Flyers hockey, well, actually we're going to hit we're going to go four for four. The plan is to hit all four Philly sports teams here on the Brotherly Love podcast, including some possible Eagles trade rumblings as the NFL season never sleeps, and of course the Phillies in spring training. But let's just start there with the Sixers, my man. I want you to kind of take the ball with this thing. Uh, you obviously sure. follow them a lot closer than I do, and they're a yeah. team right now that you know you you scroll back the calendar to January. Uh, to six weeks ago, whatever whatever term you want to use, they were the toast of the town. They were sort of the talk of the NBA there for a minute, going on that bit of that winning streak. And Bede was playing like an absolute franchise centerpiece. And since then, he really hasn't played basketball. Ben Simmons is not going to play basketball. And the fan base upset with management and the way things have shaken out. Yeah, it's uh last couple of weeks in Sixer Town, is, uh, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, first of all, kind of what we discussed, what are you going to do with Ben Simmons? What are you going to do with Joel Embiid? What has the town up in arms right now is the fact that it's just a deception by the by the Sixers front office. You know, they're telling us Embiid, you know, has a slight injury. He's day-to-day. Well, you know, if you know the guy has a torn meniscus, okay, I wouldn't consider him day-to-day. You know, that could be, he could be out for four to six weeks. So, the way they phrase things, listen, I'm not trying to hear everything. We don't need to hear everything out of the general manager's mouth. The only thing that kind of makes me a little worrisome in this situation is the fact that are you just telling the public or the Sixers fans in general who've waited so many years to get finally be able to celebrate some good winning-type basketball for years while we are you know, going through, quote-unquote, the process and – if you're telling them he's day-to-day, everybody wants to see Joel Embiid play basketball. So if you're telling fans he's day-to-day, well, could he play tonight? Could he play tomorrow? Is he going to play? And were they just doing that just to keep the ticket sales up? I mean, it has to make you wonder a little bit. We really hope that that's not the case, but it is. But Who are you blaming then? Sure. You blaming Brian Colangelo? You you blaming the front office? Well, you blaming the marketing I'm department? Blaming- I'm blaming Colangelo, but I think it starts at the top. You got to blame the owner. It's like, what is his objective? You know, and that's where it comes in as far as this is the type of information. When you hear Brett Brown talking the radio, the, the Sixers coach, you know, with this injury news, he kind of seems like he was a little in the dark, which is never good. You know, everybody has to be on the same page there. Uh, a couple other things. So 
Turns out Joel Embiid, he's done uh, torn meniscus. Um, they don't think he needs surgery. They're going to shut him down for the year. Ben Simmons, and again, Brian Colangelo was asked at this press conference, well, do you expect him to have any procedures, anything in the foreseeable future to help you know, aid the rehab process? And Colangelo is in this press conference. He's like, no, he's not done. And then three days later, it comes out. They're injecting bone marrow into his foot so they can help with the healing process and kind of get him to rehabilitate a little faster. But Simmons and B done for the season, kind of expecting it. We kind of alluded to the fact last podcast that this could be a strong possibility. And let's face it, this is a, a, a comfortable way to bring Tank 5.0 back. <laughs> you know, there's, only, there's only 25 games left in the season. You saw what B can bring to the table um, it would have been nice for Ben Simmons and B to be able to play on the court in their first year together. That would have been outstanding. It didn't work out that way. But, again, like I mentioned before in the last couple of podcasts, this is going to be a great NBA draft. Now, let's get to the trades real quick. Yeah. Ersan Silva, very nice player for the Sixers. He was that stretch for that perfect compliment to play with Joel Embiid. He did such a great job, brought a lot of leadership to the team and a, and a, and a great attitude. So they basically trade him to the Hawks, and people are going, again, up in arms. Now listen, everybody, okay? This guy is an unrestricted free agent. Timothy Mozgov, for God's sakes, okay, signed like a four-year, $64 million deal with the L.A. Lakers last offseason, okay? He stinks out loud. <laughs> you have to understand, like, Ersan's going to be looking for a long-term deal. I mean, this is going to be the first time he's going to be an actual true free agent he wants the security. So are you going to put $80, $90 million in this guy? Listen, I like him. But another reason why this trade also took place, in my opinion, is the fact of the strong play by Dario Sarge. And he's just been unbelievable. He just Today he just got named Rookie of the Month uh, from the NBA. He tied with Yogi Ferrell for that award. And because he's come on so strong, kind of almost averaging a double-double in like his last 8 to 10 games, 20 and 10, that was another reason for the trade. So they pick up two second-round draft picks there. Then let's get to the Nerland Noel trade. They trade him to Dallas. Okay, it's a high-protected lottery pick, which I just, lottery protection, don't even get me started. But it's protected within the top 18. Dallas stinks right now. Okay, so essentially what it comes down to is we got two more second-round draft picks, and a nice young wing player and a kid by the name of Justin Anderson who came out of UVA who could, you know, add to the depth of the bench. In my opinion, by collecting four second-round draft picks with these two deals, I think the Sixers are going to try to make a play in every way possible to find a way to get two draft picks in the top ten of this year's draft. Now, we would have the Lakers pick, but it's top three protected. The NBA is going to for sure screw us. As they do every year with this damn Lakers. Come on, they can't five. keep that gig up. The gig's up, man. There's no way no. the Lakers are on the top three again. No, I'm telling you, I guarantee it happens. And <laughs> and now next year, it'll be totally unprotected. So people say, well, I would like to have kept Nerlens Noel. Like, you know, we didn't get that much in return for him. Here's the other thing that people need to realize, too, okay? He is a restricted free agent. So if some team, crappy team like the Brooklyn Nets, when I signed Nerland's Noel to some crazy offer sheet at $150 million over six years or something outrageous, okay? You, you were going to lose him anyway, and he wants to start. Now, you tell me, how much better of a player is Nerland's Noel than who they have coming off the bench right now 
and Rishon Holmes. He's been playing excellent, and I like his upside. And if I were going to make a bold statement on this podcast right now, I think he's going to be a better pro than Nerlens Noel. Wow. So that's my statement. I think he's going to be a better pro. And we all wanted Jaleel Okafor gone for a second, Nichols. I mean, the kid has handled it extremely well. They botched the whole trade. Apparently, Colangelo thought you could get a first-round pick for essentially a center who's a dinosaur in this league when it comes to back to the basket. Not really can give you like twenty points, but doesn't really play defense. He seems a loaf. He just seems he plays with no edge. So, so that's the thing. So, eventually, this is, I think the plan's going to work out. They collected four second round picks. So, dangle Jaleel Okafor if he plays well down the stretch, which is a huge big if. And then they're going to find a way to get back in the top ten. They have the flip flop with the Sacramento Kings. So, if the Kings draw a higher pick than the Sixers, we automatically switch swap picks with them. But I think in this year's draft, if we can find a way to get the shooting guard from Kentucky, Malik Monk. Now, look at this perfect scenario. Find a way to get two top ten picks. You get a point guard like Dennis Smith Jr., Malik Monk, Dario Sarge, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. How about that starting five? I don't now, know. I don't know the, the Smith guy. Give me give me the scoop on Smith. Oh, I know God. all about Monk. Yeah, Dennis Smith Jr., guy I really like. He's about six two. His father played in the NBA can do everything with the basketball. He's a good shooter. He can create his own shot. He's a great distributor, plays great defense, great leader. The kid is tough as nails. He's going to be a top 10 pick as well. Where's he if crushing he it at right now? Where's he at? He, well, his team's not crushing it, but he's crushing it. He's at North Carolina State. Okay. So he's phenomenal. So if they were to get that backcourt to go with Sarge, Ben Simmons, and Embiid, then coming off the bench, you have T.J. McConnell. He becomes now your backup. You got big shot Bob Robert Covington coming off. You got Joe Henderson and Rishon Holmes. Now you're nine deep right there, okay? Nine deep. Now you are ready to take this team to the next level. All right, and then Even you'd be adding free agent pieces in the summers to come. Exactly. And the other reason, too, is people want to commit money to these guys like Huey Silva and Nerland so well. People have to also understand is the fact that, you know, Joel Embiid, his contract's going to be up soon. So you're going to have to max him out with this crazy new you know, collective bargaining agreement in the NBA with the contracts are just absolutely outrageous. So people got a little carried away with, hey, granted, would we love to have got a lottery pickback or a top 10 pickback for a guy like Nerlens Noel or Jermiel Okafor? Unfortunately, I, we probably didn't trade them at, at their highest value point. So that could be a front off. And again, people could kill people. You know, the front office for not training Noel or Okafor in the summer. But Embiid's health was still such a big question mark. So that's why you had to keep all these bigs on the roster. So, Love it. Yeah, that's why I spiel on the Sixers. Love it, dude. I'll add just this. Um, because I, as you were talking very early in your take there, uh, it just hit me. You know, you talked about the lack of honesty, uh, maybe the fan base or how things have played out and the communication between the basketball operations, and the city of Philadelphia. And obviously, Sixers fans deserve better than what they got. But if you look at during the process, the biggest thing that Sixers fans embraced was the process, was the communication, was the fact that Sam Hinkie said, this is the plan. Everybody in the league knew that was the plan, that they were tanking, that they were rebuilding. And, and franchises and fan bases that are suffering sometimes just want that. Okay, 
We're rebuilding. We know we can't have high expectations for one, two, three, four years, whatever it is, whatever sport. And that's what Sixers fans embraced, I feel like, at least out here in corn country looking in from afar, is that they knew the draft picks were coming. They knew that Embiid had potential. Uh, They knew that the Sixers were in this mode looking long-term and seeing how other teams had done it in the NBA previously into finding star power. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to hide some of that from the fan base or be deceptive. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. A couple months ago, a couple years ago, we knew what was up. We were okay with it. Now, we don't know what's up. And I think part of that's probably on the organization. They set that standard of being transparent to some extent, and the fans got used to it. And when you when you then take that away, it certainly sucks for the fan base. Yeah, good point. Very good point. One quick thing to add to, I was talking about Dennis Smith. Hey, listen, Kyle Lowry is going to be a free agent. A hometown guy, went to Villanova, now plays for Toronto Raptors. Can you imagine him being that veteran point guard to go along with all your great assets? That could other that could be also another possible fix at that position. Love it. Well, then let me just take that a step further. Say the Lakers end up with the four pick or the five yeah. pick. And the Sixers yeah. have the I don't know what, ten pick, twelve pick, whatever it is. Okay, let's just Okay. Right where the Sixers predicted to finish, right in that range? Somewhere eight so to right twelve. Now. now they're top five right now. Okay. So say they finish mm-hmm. eight and they end up with the Lakers five. Couldn't you mm-hmm. potentially could you pull off a sign and trade for Lowry, or is it too late then? Woody, and now you got me totally confused. You're talking about the Sacramento pick swap or what? I'm talking, talking about, about you end up with the Lakers pick and your own pick if you get lucky. Now you have okay. assets. Now you've got second rounders. Yeah. You've got first rounders. Is Kyle Lowry yeah. unrestricted? Oh, he's unrestricted. Mate. Okay. Unrestricted. So no chance for amazing. like a sign and trade or to eat the last year or two of his contract by, by you know, so teams are going right. to want some of those picks, especially if the draft is that yeah. deep. So you have hey, and, p- potential for yeah. a lot of assets. Oh, no doubt about it. And then keep in mind, we also have the Kings' first-round pick the following year. Yep. So people want to – I mean, that was the greatest – that was like the great train heist. He, I mean, if you look up that trade that he made with the Kings, they acquired the pick swap in a future for, and also got Nick Stauskas back. I mean, that was just – Look that trade up, and it's mind-blowing. All right, let's anyway. jump to the Flyers. Uh, right yeah, now, they so are funny. they are down late. They are not down in the game, but they are down to the final minutes of regulation as I'm watching here on my phone. Panthers, Flyers, in a game the Flyers almost absolutely have to have because they're chasing the Panthers and several other teams. And my, what a five-week span it's been for the Philadelphia Flyers. Once the driver's seat for a playoff spot, particularly the wild card, now several teams ahead of them, three, four points back, equal number of games played. It's a dogfight. Um, this is an ultimate disappointment. You know, you and I talked at the start of the year. I thought the expectation was to take that proverbial next step. That was, you know, 95 points, uh, maybe a second round uh, or conference final type opportunity, you know, battle for home ice advantage. They had that 10-game winning streak that got them out of a bit of a slow start and put them in a spot to control their own destiny. And now the last month or so, it's been almost, you know, almost nothing uh, as far as consistent winning hockey goes. Uh, I was kind of confused, really, the last few weeks why Michael Neuver kept going out there and, and starting a net for Philadelphia. Uh, I wondered were they were they showcasing him? Were they trying to trade him? The more eyeball scouts see, the better. You know, maybe he gets on a three or four game run right near the deadline, and somebody bites on making that deal. It never happened. Now they sign him to an extension. So I guess that means Steve Steve Mason is out moving forward. 
because you're not, I don't think, going to run with those two again next year, especially with young goaltending prospects and young goaltending depth in the system and some you've drafted about to turn pro. Uh, so again, the Flyers for me, very disappointing. I think when you look at the way the Sixers last six weeks have unfolded with kind of this injury chaos and the deception there or the lack of communication, and now the Flyers, the way they just haven't been able to sustain what was a pretty good kind of middle stretch of the season. I think now you're at a point where I don't know which team's more disappointing, but certainly it's frustrating uh, as a Philadelphia fan to see this kind of see this kind of hockey. Trade they make yesterday, Valtteri Filppula comes in. Filppula scored here in his debut. Nice to see, but he's 30-plus years old. He's a $5 million cap hit next year. Yeah, you had to move Mark Strike because you weren't going to bring him back. I, I, you know, Filppula helps. He gives you more scoring depth. But I just don't, you know, that's not a buying, uh, a buyer type move. That's not a cup contending type move. And certainly I understand that. I don't think Ron Hextall and the Flyers brass thinks that they're ready to win the Stanley Cup. So you don't make those types of moves now. But again, I guess I just go back to the frustration level to not see this team take the next step. Now, there's what, 20 games left? Could they certainly get it together? Could they certainly make a run, get into a playoff spot, maybe win a round? Sure. That can happen if they get hot at the right time. But the last month, six weeks, they haven't shown you that. So it made me start to think even just about a week or so ago, should the Flyers, and now the, the trade deadline's come and gone, it's kind of a moot point, but should the Flyers have tried to move Claude, uh, Claude Giroux? And is there a market for a guy like Giroux? He's got a high cap hit. He's obviously a guy that has had, I don't want to say issues off the ice, but I, I you know, I think when you look at uh, Hockey Canada, right, the the you know, the USA hockey up there in, in O Canada, where he's not part of the Olympic team or he's, you know, an afterthought on the World Cup team. You know, I just, th- there's something going on there that his own country, when it comes time picking the best in the world, don't recognize him as that, whether it's personality, whether it's chemistry with his teammates, whether it's just he's not that good. For a long time, I thought he was one of the best players in the league. I don't even think you put him in the top 10 anymore. And I think that that is certainly something that maybe other scouts and GMs have noticed too. But I just wondered a few weeks ago, would the Flyers look at moving Drew if if the offer was right and putting the C on Wayne Simmons' chest? Wayne Simmons is the pulse of this Flyers team. Uh, I probably sound like I'm beating a dead horse. I've been saying this for months now. He's by far my favorite athlete in Philadelphia. He brings it every night. NHL teams recently have stripped the C off of players that have been their captain, most notably Joe Thornton in San Jose. They let Joe Pavelski wear the C. Look at Edmonton. Connor McDavid took over as the league's youngest captain. You can take the C off of guys now. It's not not unheard of anymore. And I wonder if moving the C to Simmons is a move for this organization, possibly trading Giroux this summer since the trade deadline is now come and gone, is a move for this organization. Again, it depends on salaries and cap hits and all those sorts of things. Uh, but if there's a buyer for Claude Giroux, is that the play? Because right now he's been leading this team for several years. Does he Has he won a playoff series as captain of the Flyers? Am I missing something here? Maybe one, John Mita? I mean, I just think that you you start to have to wonder about what this guy is as far as being the leader of this organization and getting him to the next level. I'm not pinning this on Giroux. I'm not pinning this on head coach Dave Haxtell. I know there's a process here. I know they're going to be patient. But I certainly thought they were going to take a step this year. And if they don't go on an absolute run the last 15 or 20 games, they're going to go backwards. And that's certainly concerning. Yeah, I mean, you bring up, you bring up some very solid points. I thought to myself, just like you did, like, is it time to blow this team up a little bit? Just like, you know, Mike Richards and, and Carter got very, and Jeff Carter got very comfortable here. Is it time to maybe start something different? 
And the question is, what type of offers would you get for a guy like Claude Giroux? The other thing you look at, it too, is when I've had this discussion with several of my good friends, and are we just not putting the right people around Giroux? When he had a guy like Jarmory Yager on one of his sides, he probably had his best season as a flyer. So that's the other. But my whole thing with Giroux is when you talk about top 10 players, I mean, he's, you know, he's being paid like a top 10 player. And for me, they just, I don't know, they just, I just think he's just way too unselfish. I, I think he needs to step up and be that, you know, have that dog in him where he's like, just like, I'm going to take over. And the one time that we saw it was, I guess it was against the Penguins, I guess in that playoff series where he yes. just, you know, he knocked the hell out of Crosby and then he scored a goal and it was like, wow. You thought from that moment. like That's a great point. That's a great point. That is a moment for him that hasn't been matched since, really. Right. But again, he had the injury in the offseason with the golf club. He had the, uh, you know, the whatever that was in the bar that night. I mean, again, I just don't know, like, what, what are you? Are you focused? Are you the leader of this organization? Are you committed to winning a Stanley Cup? Or is it all just talk? He's 29 right. now, dude. He only ha- yeah. he's got 45 points in 62 games, just 12 goals. He's a minus 17. You look at his yeah. career, you know, he's 562 points in 636 games. So, you know, a pretty close to a point a game guy, a little under that, you know, probably his career average this year. He's not getting any younger and I just wonder, you know, again about those leadership qualities. Is he the right guy? Because look, the the captainship in hockey is a big deal. You say what you want about, yeah, you don't have to wear the C. I get it. Yarmir Yager probably pro- provides great veteran presence in Florida, to, to use an example. He doesn't have the C. He doesn't have to have the C. Wayne Simmons, to me, is the captain of that hockey club. He is. He is. He's the guy that every night sets the tone. He embodies what Philadelphia is all about. He takes nothing for granted, and he's getting better. Claude Giroux's not getting better, and he hasn't led this team anywhere. I don't know if the message is getting lost from Hackstall through the leadership group to the young kids or what, but where are these guys as far as making strides? The ghost isn't getting better. Gossis Bear's going backwards. You know, Provorov's had a nice year for for a young kid. Braden Shen has certainly stepped his game up. But where's that next step from a guy like Matt Reed that we talked about? Or Sean Couturier staying healthy and taking that next step? So I just think a lot of it comes down to the leadership group, and right now, um, they're still in that transitional phase, and I was hoping they'd be past it. Let's jump to uh, spring training down in Clearwater, brother, because the Phillies are cracking the bats, pitchers and catchers, first couple of spring games. They've hit the baseball pretty well from what I've uh, what I've watched, and uh, it's nice to see. Obviously, baseball is back. Your expectations for the Phillies. I know we'll talk about this more in future podcasts, but so far down in Clearwater, what are you hearing? What are you thinking about the Fightins? Listen, they, they have some solid pitchers on their staff. Yeah, I thought the uh, Buckholz deal was a good pickup for them to go with some of their other young arms. And uh, it's just nice to see that they have legitimate outfielders now. I mean, last year, they had the worst outfield in the in Major League Baseball. I mean, bar none. You know, they signed a couple veterans. Well, they traded for Howie Kendricks and then, they signed Saunders in the offseason from Toronto, so it's just nice to see that. And what I'm really looking forward to is, you know, are we going to find, are we going to see these kids that are in the minor league system take that next step? 
And when I say the kids, I'm talking, I'm referring to like guys like J.P. Crawford. Is he going to be able to come up and start? Other guys like Nick Williams. I mean, guys that we've traded for, they've had uh, some good deal of success. And, you know, the AAA, can they make it, you know, make a, a jump to the major league level and have an impact? So I think the future is bright for the Phillies. I do like the fact that McCannon's still uh, their manager. And if, if I'm the Phillies right now, I'm doing everything in my power to obtain Mike Trout. And I know he has like a year left, but there's some statute where he can try to get out of his contract a little earlier. But bottom line is Mike Trout, when he becomes an unrestricted free agent, he's going to walk. Like, I don't think he's, I mean, because there's really, LA is not like a team on the rise. And I think we know how much like hometown roots this guy yeah, like he loves Philadelphia. He loves to be here. He's good friends with Cart. Like he wants to be here, and I think Clintech needs to find a way to make that move happen. There's a lot of minor because the bottom line is if the Angels know that he's just going to walk in the offseason, why wouldn't you? You know, why wouldn't you trade him for some prospects, knowing that you're probably not going to get anything in return for him? So. And if you get a piece like that, Trout, to come up with these other – I mean – That's the Jim Tomey signing, man. You know? Yeah. Of, yeah. of 10 years yeah. later, 15 years later. Yeah, it would bring a ton of juice back into the Phillies ballpark. Yep, man, I agree. Be, so – I got one, yeah, uh, one more thing on the Phillies. Matt Stairs is hitting coach. I love it. You? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. Like, people are like, well, you know, Matt Stairs, you know, he's primarily coming off the bench as a pinch hitter and – you know, all he was doing is swing at the fences. So how is he going to change the approach? And because we, we all can agree that the approach was, you know, changing a lot of the approach for some of these hitters, like guys like Miguel Franco. And I do love it. I think he's very knowledgeable. I think, listen, he was a good hitter for yes. his career. Yes. It's not like he was, he basically became that home run bopper off the bench. Right. It was like, those are like the tail end of his careers when he was either the designated hitter or somebody tried to bring him in for one swing, you know? But other than that, if you looked at his career closely, like the guy knows how to hit the baseball and could spray it to all fields. And so I, I do like it. I thought that, I, I thought that that was a great upgrade. He hit 262 so. for his career. And, you know, you're talking about a guy that had uh, almost 900 RBIs, almost 300 home runs, but they hit 262. I know that's an era where, for the most part, you know, hitting was probably up where it is from now or then compared to now. But uh, he watched these guys hit the last couple of years in the TV booth. And the TV booth, you see every replay, you see every pitch multiple times, you see what these guys are doing, you see their approach day in, day out. I think that's huge for him to have a better understanding already going into the system with what he's working with. And and I read. I'm trying to think of the uh, oh it was um, who's the guy uh, Mets to uh, Nationals second baseman Murphy Daniel Murphy Daniel I read a Murphy. quote from him the other yeah. day talking about some of those analytics that the players get and how uh-huh. he's able he's been able to simplify hitting to making contact with the ball basically on the bottom side of the ball at like the lowest trajectory and that's how he's able to hit for power now where you know Daniel Murphy wasn't swatting dingers a couple of years ago. Last year, he was one of the most potent power hitters and best hitters in baseball. And he basically said that all the analytics and like all that uh, fan graph stuff that they get now, all those baseball metrics, 
he's been able to break down the hitting science because of some of those numbers and where the ball and the rotation, you know, where the ball lands in the strike zone and the rotation on the ball, and basically has, has simplified the hitting game. Now, we all know it's hard to hit a baseball, especially at that level, but there seems to be more technology and trends now that are going to help these guys out. So Matt Stairs can embrace some of that stuff, and I think the Phillies have a ton of potential in their lineup. Cameron Rupp, Tommy Joseph, Mikel Franco with some power. Um, now you're talking about some corner infielders in Franco, uh, and, and Joseph with an outfield that might have some pop. This could be a team that uh, certainly hits better or hits more for power than they did in recent years, and that'll be a sight for sore eyes. No doubt. And I think they've also acquired some decent bullpen arms to kind of improve that part of their team as well. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I'm optimistic. I'm not going to tell you, come on here, they're going to win 90 games, but I definitely think we're going to see a steady improvement from last season. And I think the future's bright for them moving forward, especially if they can find a way to land Mike Trout. All right, little Eagles trade talk to wrap things up in the last couple of minutes yeah, here on the quick. Brotherly Love sure. Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, at Love Podcast. Download us on iTunes, again, at Twitter, on uh, at Love Podcast on Twitter. Johnny Mita, what do you hear, and what's the scuttlebutt, so to speak, in the city of brotherly love? Well, right now you have the NFL Combine, which is basically it's where all the future NFL prospects come to Indianapolis to basically get measurables taken. Poked and prodded. Certain drills. Poked and prodded. You get the interview process, but some of those interview questions are absolutely ridiculous. But but the big talk that came out today and something that you mentioned, I don't know, three months ago to me, is that it looks like Brandon Cook, the same speedy wide receiver, he's uh, very similar to, uh, to Sean Jackson as far as like a clone type, but a, a much younger player. Uh, looks like he is on the train block, and there's two teams right now that are front runners to land him. It looks like the Tennessee Titans and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Titans have a lot more firepower because when they traded, when the Rams made all those trades with them to move up to take Jared Goff, they just gave up. So they have extra first round picks, extra third round picks. So they have more. So we'll see if Howie can work their magic. The New Orleans Saints, their defense is horrendous. Could we trade maybe some of our pieces on defense to also entice them with with draft picks as well? A guy like Michael Kendricks, their linebackers are kind of terrible. Um, could he be a fit for them? So maybe a guy like Connor Barwin. I don't know if they're playing in the 3-4 system. I don't know what they're – but still. I. So we'll see. And, we'll, and the question is, what do you give up for a guy like that? That's the biggest thing. I've never. It's very rare that, that a big trade in the NFL happens, or you know, players get traded for first round draft picks. What is Cook? What is Cook's contract status? Do you know? Because I, yeah, I guess so my it, the the biggest yeah, question so I would have is why why is New Orleans moving on? Well, here's the deal. I know he was a little bit unhappy because he didn't feel like. He was the focal point in that offense. Well, it wasn't because they had, they've had emerging wide receivers the last couple of years, and prior to that, they had Marquez Colston. So he's never really right. maybe one year he's and, been the number one. Then you had Willie Sneed at a breakout year. Who they who was the guy this year that came on late? Michael Michael Thomas, yeah, the guy that they drafted at Ohio State who had an incredible year. So that could be the reason why you know New Orleans is willing to move on. It looks him. like Cook now, signed contract, Cook signed a four year deal in 2014. Right. Uh, so he he's on the books, and then there's an option year the following year. He makes it just that's over it. two million a year. Right. So 
he's going to be looking for that next deal. It would be in the Eagles' best interest to, if they find a way to pull this trade off, which I would totally be in favor because I was a big fan of this kid coming out of Oregon State. And uh, breaking news, the Flyers have just won in a shutout, 2-1. to one. Breaking news. No, I'm kidding. Um, it is breaking news, although I'm watching I'm watching the second uh, shooter in the first round, Vincent Trocek for the Panthers. I'm a little delayed here on the uh, – on the, di- on the dial-up te- on the dial-up modem. <laughs> gotcha. So, but yeah, hey, that's a know, huge so win I- for the Fly Guys, man. They need more of yeah. those. You know, they got to get no, on a I run. Know. But uh, all right, so back to Brandon Cooks, real quick. Yeah, yeah, real quick. Back to Brandon Cooks. You know, what do you? I, I just, I'm not so sure. I mean, I would love to see him get Brandon Cooks, but I don't know if I'm giving up a first-round draft. You know, you want to give up a second? I'm fine with a second in the future. Fine. Okay. Right. Well, let me cut you off. Yeah, for, let me cut you off. Yeah. What what are you what do you who are you drafting? What position are you drafting in the first round? Wide receiver. Okay, Wide so receiver. then so you're telling me Brandon sure. Cooks isn't better than the fifteenth overall pick, the maybe the second best wide receiver in the draft or the best wide receiver coming out this year? It's hard to say, man. Corey Davis. I'm in love with this Corey Davis from Western Michigan. Yeah, as much as you love Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> That's a good point. I like it. I expected that one. I did. Now, now, man, I think Corey Davis is going to be a sub, but, you know, we'll we'll see. But, I mean, the thing is, the one thing Brandon Cooks. Here's the play. If the offer for Brandon Cooks is too rich for Howie's blood, and if there's anything Howie's good at, let's be honest, it's trades because he stinks at drafting. Um, Yeah. He finds ways to get deals done, all right? Like probably no other GM in football. If the asking price is too rich, then don't you just sign Deshaun Jackson this summer? I know, but see, man, I think Deshaun is just I don't I don't like that from a move standpoint. I don't Yeah. I love Slippery D. You know he's my boy, but I also don't I like Slippery. the baggage that yeah. comes with him. I don't like his lack of yeah. big game moxie. I don't like yeah. his uh lack of toughness over the middle now granted he got KO'd against Atlanta maybe he's never been the same receiver but there are there are I I see the 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 negative side of Deshaun Jackson as a football player um and the stuff that comes with it I think a lot of Philadelphia sees we need him back he should have never left and I get that and I would welcome him back in a lot of regards and he would certainly certainly be an upgrade but if the asking price for Brandon Cooks is too much and the next best thing is Slippery D to Sean Jackson, you almost have to. This is like the summer of 04 for the Eagles going into that 2004 season where the whole entire, the whole town, the whole league knew the Eagles needed help at wide receiver. So they got T.O. I mean, they, they are going to make a splash. There's no way the Eagles go into camp with the Reuben Randles of the world, the Chris Givens of the world, Nelson Aguilar's of the world. It's just not going to happen again, dude. I mean, bank yeah. it, book it, put a ha- put your yeah. house on it. I don't know wh- who the answer is going to be, but they're going to make a move. No, yeah, they're definitely going to acquire. I mean, I think they need to acquire two outside wide receivers and keep Matthews in the slot and move on from there. All right. I'd like to see one rookie wide receiver stud and one decent veteran, but I'm not paying through the nose for some of these bumps. That's all I'm saying. Holler at your boy, and- Johnny Mita. You're the man. All right, buddy. Great, great to be with you tonight, my friend. Yeah, as always. Yeah, big win for the Fly Guys while we're on the air, and uh, of course, Huge. lots of talk. We got the four for four, Sixers. Yeah, Eagles, Phils, Fly Guys, all in here on the one and only Brotherly Love Podcast. Appreciate the long hiatus between episodes. Thanks for the support. Thanks for the love. 
Follow us on Twitter at BelovedPodcast. Johnny Mita, you're the man. You got it, brother. All right. Until next time, little uh, little tournament talk, little March Madness talk yeah, in our March next episode. Until next time, we'll appreciate it. We can get Joey Brackett. Yeah, Joey Lenardi's got to join us. We'll do it next time on the All Brotherly right. Love Podcast. Till then, we'll see. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.